the bass drops in, which means it's time to begin. Welcome to DLC, everybody. This is going to be a little different episode than normal, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be fun. It doesn't mean it's not going to be jam-packed with news and games and all that good stuff. Also, at the end of this I was going to say regular episode, but it's not really a regular episode. At the end of this part of the episode, there is bonus content where I spoke with um, creative director and writer on Before Your Eyes, a game we've talked about a lot on this show um, already because it is phenomenal. But we are, I sat down and talked with Graham Parks, who, uh, as I mentioned, creative director and writer on Before Your Eyes. It's a wonderful conversation about making the game and kind of how they approached those topics and came at it. We do get into some spoiler stuff, but before we do, we we flag it. So that follows this. Um, Be on the lookout for that. It is phenomenal. Also, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a different uh, episode. Yeah, the base crashed in, which means we have begun. Um, But this is, it's just me. It's just me. Just me this week. Hello, my name is Christian Spicer. I will be piloting the ship DLC today, this week. Um, And Jeff has seen your outpouring of love and support, and he very much appreciates it. Uh, I've talked with Jeff, and believe me, believe me, he knows you love him, and he's seen it, and he appreciates it. And, And, you know... This show wouldn't exist without you all. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for being there. Um, Jeff has has talked about um, what what he's going through on Twitter. It, it's not my place here to, to say or try to recount or even read his tweets. Um, but he will be back. And um, as we often do on this show, we, we, we bring the real world in with us. Um, for better or worse, we bring the real world in with us. Um, so I know you'll be hearing more from Jeff on this show. And as I mentioned, he's he's talked about it on Twitter. Um, but that's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna leave it right now. Jeff knows we love him. He is okay in that broader sense of the word. And he appreciates you. And and he's seen what you've said. And it means the world. It means the world to us. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for being there. And thank you for being a part of this wonderful community. It it uh it wouldn't be the same without each and every one of you. So thank you. And yeah, this is gonna be a different show. Um it's gonna be a different show. So hopefully you like it. I think this might be the first ever solo DLC. I mean, I guess technically I have that bonus content with Graham at the end, so it's not strictly solo, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, but pretty cool, pretty fun. Not certainly something I ever thought uh, we'd do on this show, but here we are. And so I hope you, I hope you sit back and I hope you enjoy it. Um, of course, you can always send your feedback to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can join the good folks over on the subreddit and chime in there. And also we'll get a great uh, fan run discord as well. So you can find both of those five by five DLC, get and be a part of this uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful community. It's going to be fun. And oh man, we are going to start this show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. And 
Um, there's no bumper here. This is a different episode. I mean, I can be like, it's the story of the week, but I can't, I can't sing. I wish, ooh, <laughs> I wish I could sing, friends. <clears throat> I cannot. I probably tried on, I could do, th- oh my gosh. Holy moly. Uh-oh, it's a whole Spice Man episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff would never, ever, ever let me do this again if that's what happened. If I just did the whole thing. Oh, it's story of the week time. You know what that means. Things are about to get spicy. And that was the whole episode. One, my throat would just be trash. I would not get through it. Did you hear that Jeff Kaplan left Blizzard? That's right. Um, I would be wrecked. <laughs> And so in everybody's ears. So the Spice Man will not be running. <laughs> will not be running the show, uh, unfortunately. You might hear some parrots in the background. This is, It's going to be what it is, everybody. It's going to be what it is. But yeah, um, Jeff Kaplan l- leaving, left Blizzard. He's been, had, had been, wow, it's weird in the past tense. He had been with Blizzard for 19 plus years. And he was Overwatch, you know, for a lot of folks, he was Overwatch. Certainly, it's a large team, and other people that uh, have contributed in big ways to that game and to that now franchise over the years, but I think externally, in a big way, Jeff Kaplan was Overwatch. Um, Of course, reassuring fans and investors um, Aaron Keller will be stepping in as the game's new director, filling in, in in Jeff Kaplan's shoes. And their quote is, Aaron has been a critical part of the Overwatch team and a key driver in creating the vision for the game. He helped create Overwatch as an original member of the team. And as an 18-year veteran at Blizzard, he has worked side-by-side with Jeff for a long time, not only in building Overwatch, but previously in helping build World of Warcraft as well. And that is coming from Activision. So that that quote really is trying to steady this foundation, right? Like, he helped create it. He's been with 18 years. He's been side by side with Jeff for the whole time. He, not only Overwatch, but also World of Warcraft. You know, there's all this stuff. And it, it, we're in good hands. We're in good hands. We're in good hands. We're in good hands. Which Overwatch 2 might very well be. Um, but it's hard not to, in my opinion, to look at Blizzard and... and just wonder what's happening over there behind the scenes. They still make some of, you know, the best games of all time. I've heard wonderful things about Diablo Immortal as that um, alpha or I guess limited release in some parts of the country or whatever it is considered right now is continuing. And I have high hopes for Diablo 4. The recent World of Warcraft expansions have been really well received. Um, Overwatch has kind of seemed to be a game a little bit struggling on the vine, so to speak. Um, I loved it when it came out. I fell off, and it seems like Blizzard hasn't done much to keep that community. There was the big professional league, and that has kind of wilted and withered as well away. And there's been a lot of ho- <sighs> there's been a lot of high. I'm already like scratchy from just those little bit of spices. Um, the, uh, there's been a lot of high profile departures at Blizzard, and any time that there's a departure at that level for a game that has had a long 
development cycle, people start talking, right? Rightly or wrongly, people start talking, whether it's uh, 343 in Halo or um, uh, Amy Hennig and Naughty Dog, and people start chatting. And sometimes incredible games keep coming out. You know, if you've listened to this show before, I love uh, Naughty Dog games. I loved them before. I love them now. That studio, in my opinion, is one of the best of the best. They make hits. They make some of my favorite games of all time. Blizzard also makes some of my favorite games of all time. And so I have to hope until otherwise that they will continue to do so. But there is the expression where there's smoke, there's fire for a reason. And I'm curious if we will ever learn the true behind the scenes um, thoughts about these high level departures at departures at Blizzard, if there is more to it, or you know what, you're at a company for almost 20 years and it's time to move on. As a guy who <laughs> personally worked as an attorney for whatever it was, six years, and then, <laughs> and then moved on, I get it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could not have worked in that big law. If I had worked in that big law world for 19 years, you're dang right I would have left uh, and looked for something else, regardless of, of what other people were doing. So maybe there's nothing here. Maybe there's nothing more to read into it. Um, and and Jeff Kaplan added a personal note saying that his 19 years at Blizzard were amazing. It was truly the honor of a lifetime to have the opportunity to create worlds and heroes for such a passionate audience. I want to express my deep appreciation to everyone at Blizzard who supported our games, our game teams, our players. But I want to say a special thanks to the wonderful game developers that shared in the journey of creation with me. Um, he didn't mention what his future plans are, but, you know, a very public love fest for Blizzard and, and, and the folks he worked with there. This isn't a I'm gone, I'm excited for what comes next kind of thing. So hopefully it's in good hands. I think regardless of whether or not there is some animosity or not, and, and I'm not saying there is, um, you'd think that he'd still want Overwatch 2 to be a hit and be good. You put so much of your life into something you still want it to come out and be successful. You've spent so much of your life with the community, with a fandom, with the group of folks externally playing and consuming your games. As I sit here with my Overwatch uh, mouse, you know, like, and I'm not the biggest fan, Overwatch fan in the world, but I have this and I have my collectibles and people have the comics. And so you have to think that he has that in his blood and he has to be rooting for the game. So hopefully we'll be learning more about Overwatch 2 soon, and hopefully whatever Jeff Kaplan decides to do next is something that he's passionate about and he loves. And if it's in games or, or media in some way and we're able to consume it, I look forward to going on whatever that next journey is with him because he's been a part of creating some incredible worlds and some incredible characters. Um, the characters in Overwatch are rich. They're, they're wonderful. They're fantastic. And I'm excited to see what Jeff Kaplan Jeff Kaplan does next. I think if I were picking of kind of the stories that as we were preparing for this show, I think that would be my personal story of the week. It feels big, it feels weighty, and it feels like a continuation of things that has that have happened um, at Blizzard. But again, these past whatever it is now, 14 plus months and and COVID is it, it's a strain on anybody. Again, I don't have any inside information here, but plans change. Plans change, and they've changed for a lot of people over this past year. So that could easily be part of it as much as anything else. 
So we'll have to keep our eyes open and see what's coming from from Blizzard and how those games evolve and, and release, and specifically Overwatch 2. And then I'm excited for what Jeff Kaplan does next. I hope it's awesome, and I hope we get to learn about it uh, sooner than later because I like, I like the stuff he's been working on. <clears throat> Even though Jeff's not here, I do, of course, need to talk about the Oculus Gaming Showcase. It was the first ever, um, I believe, they've had other oculus events but this was their first gaming showcase um event and we had some uh, pretty big announcements i think pistol whip smoke and thunder we got that resident evil 4 gameplay footage and kind of learned that it is a rebuild of the game you know it is resident evil 4 but not just dropping a vr camera into um you know into the game and kind of having you play dual wielding support all that stuff. That looks exciting. Again, Quest 2. I expect you to die too after the fall. Uh, an update to Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, a game that I've really enjoyed and talked about on this show before. And an expansion for the Climb to the Freestyle expansion. <clears throat> and then also, Lone Echo 2 got a release window of coming this summer. And that's interesting because that is still an Oculus... Um, PC title, <clears throat> which, man, my throat, you guys, <laughs> I apologize for all the stops and the water sips I take along the way. Normally when I spice man it up, I have Jeff to <clears throat> help me out a little bit and I can cover and mute my mic and take some sips. Um, Bologna 2 is an interesting, an interesting game that exists outside of Oculus's current gaming push, right? I mean, all the updates to Quest 2, they've said that um, the Quest Pro, which is maybe the next thing coming before the Quest 3, isn't coming this year. There's stuff like if you're thinking about buying a Quest 2, you can feel comfortable knowing that now's a good time to do it. Well, that's what they said. I would still maybe wait if you've waited this, <laughs> if you've waited this long. Um, Quest 2 is a heck of a piece of hardware, though. But, you know, the 120 hertz and, and all the updates, the wireless um, link and now uh, Resident Evil 4. But Lone Echo 2 still being a Quest PC exclusive is interesting. And I guess you have to assume that Quest owners can just use the, the link cable or the wireless when it becomes in beta and still experience it that way. But the idea of them releasing a game for a headset that they don't really support in the sense that Resident Evil 4 still seems like a Quest 2 exclusive. There was no, this will also be available on PC, which is an, it's an interesting place. And, and, and maybe I missed some of that announcement. I don't think so, but it's interesting. It's super, super interesting. And while there were some really cool games shown here, I think Resident Evil 4 in VR is going to be a, an incredible experience. Lone Echo, 2, Lone Echo 2, certainly on PC, will, I have to imagine, be an incredible game. Pistol Whip was great. Uh, I expect you to die is super fun. Expansions for The Climb 2 and Saints and Sinners is great. With that said, part of me thinks that this was kind of flat for their first ever gaming-focused showcase. I feel personally again there's no one else's opinion you're going to get <laughs> you're going to get on this show maybe maybe mark edding will call in um but i i feel like some of the creativity is missing 
It's expansions for big games, which I guess is fun and cool, and then stuff we've kind of seen. Nothing really pushing the envelope of what a VR experience can be or makes it compelling. Like, if you weren't already into VR, I don't think any of these announcements, with the only caveat being Resident Evil 4, but none of these, I think, get you excited for VR. To me, this Oculus Gaming Showcase felt like a, oh, cool, there's more of what I maybe like coming, but nothing that felt revolutionary to me. And I was hoping for revolutionary. I was hoping for something that shows how they're continuing to push gaming and experiences forward in the space. And it feels like it's just kind of a bunch of first-person experiences, uh, which I think is a little bit of a bummer. I, I miss stuff like Moss. I think Astrobot on PSVR shows, and, and even Lucky's Tale, originally on Oculus, but Astrobot I think did it so much better, shows the appeal and the creativity and what a third-person um, platforming game can be. And and to me, this Oculus Gaming Showcase left me feeling flat. I was like, okay, good, but nothing that really blew me away and knocked my socks off. Maybe, maybe I'd feel differently, like if that Resident Evil 4 announcement also took place um, during the showcase, right? And it wasn't part of the Resident Evil showcase, so this is the first time we heard about it. And it was uh, one more thing and coming now, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. Maybe I would have left the Oculus Gaming Showcase feeling a little more revved up for it. Um, but as is, I kind of felt like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Cool. Um, I'm curious how you felt, though. Let uh, let us know. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. Jump on the Discord. Get in subreddit. <clears throat> let us know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just like, I don't have an Oculus Quest 2. So I'm not stoked for RE4, and I don't know. Pistol Whip's great. I'm very excited. <clears throat> I want to see more about that. Um, I like Saints and Sinners, but I don't think I'm ready to jump into a big expansion right now. It just feels samey. It feels samey and safe to me. Yeah, that's where I land on that. And then, and I guess the expected news, um, the other story that I want to bring up, is I guess after we <laughs> we heard the... Well, we, I, and maybe you as well, heard the ridiculous cost of the Lord of the Rings TV show that's being worked on, the adaptation, and it's whatever it is, hundreds of millions, I mean, just jaw-dropping. I could look it up, but I'm not. It's just it's just us. We're just talking. Me here, in your ear holes, just hanging out. We're just having a chat. <laughs> We're just having a chat. A helicopter's flying overhead. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not going to be typing to look stuff up right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But just a jaw-dropping amount of money being spent on that on that TV show, um, clearly showing there's belief in that IP still and and uh, money to be made on it and an audience for it. But at the same time, Amazon kind of quietly, in my opinion, canceled their Lord of the Rings MMO. And they say it was uh, due to a dispute with Tencent, and it's no longer in development. It had been in development uh, since 2019 with uh, a Chinese-based company, Leiyu Technologies Holdings, I believe. Um, and they were purchased by Tencent in December. And then contract negotiations fell apart between Amazon and Tencent. And that's wild. An Amazon spokesperson confirmed to Bloomberg that after the acquisition of Leiyu, it was quote, 
unable to secure terms to proceed with this title at this time. New quote, we love the Lord of the Rings IP and are disappointed that we won't be bringing this game to customers. I mean, that's huge. If I were a bigger Lord of the Rings fan, like I like it. I like I like Lord of the Rings. I've seen them all, read them all. I like I like it. But I don't own like a replica ring or anything. You know what I mean? Like there are people who love it. Like I, if you listen to this show, apparently like third person action games with red haired protagonists. <laughs> or pixel perfect platformers with red haired protagonists. Um <laughs> And God of War. Um, I think if I really loved the Lord of the Rings IP the way a lot of people do, I think this would probably have been my story of the week. And it feels big. It feels big. I mean, this is a, a huge, huge, huge franchise. Academy Award winning, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on the TV version. Of, or I should say streaming. What, even, what it even is TV anymore? A, stre- a serialized uh, version of, uh, the world and Amazon, you know, depending on what their gaming ambitions are, an MMO set in this space has the potential to be huge. It has the potential to be huge. Certainly big name IP doesn't guarantee, uh, MMO success. Um, the Star Wars, several Star Wars MMOs, uh, you know, have kind of fluttered, um, there was the Sony one before, and then the Bioware one now, which is going, but you know, not a huge, 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 huge smash success. A successful game, clearly making money, but not, you know, putting Star Wars on it doesn't mean it dethrones. Wow, I don't know if anything can. And Star Trek as well has has had its run of MMOs. Marvel and DC have taken their stab at it. Putting IP on something alone does not guarantee success. That being said. It helps get you a head start, right? And you'd think that for an up-and-coming game studio, well, you know, a lot of these developers were on other big projects, but for Amazon itself, whatever their game's ambitions are, to have them release a Lord of the Rings MMO would be big, especially if it was great. It'd be huge. And however that drives, you know, if that's part of um, Luna and their streaming service or wherever it's going to be delivered... It's going to be it, – it, it's a big thing, right? Whether or not the game comes out and takes the world on fire, sets the world on fire or not, um, there's major PR beats that go with it that get that Amazon Studios logo in front of people all the time. There's splashy trailers. There's an IP that you can put on a Super Bowl ad if you want to. Um, it's It's big. It's a big name, and it's easy to put places, and it's easy to follow that with your studio and get people excited about it. And – uh yeah, that's that's big. It's wild. Just you're working with other company that gets purchased by this other company, and then they come in and they say, nah. <sighs> Again, I haven't practiced in a very long time. Oftentimes there will be things in contract, or there were, I should say, things in contracts that could kind of help to eliminate those types of problems um, where you get to proceed under the terms as they existed, blah, 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 blah. But also, if any company, and again, I do not have inside information on these contracts, but if any company could come in and blow up a contract if they wanted to, those two companies are Tencent and Amazon, (laughs) right? I mean, there's a handful of others, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Disney. Um, 
but Tencent, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they own part of me at some point, like just, just a behemoth and a lot of quality, quality stuff that they are part of and responsible for and, and help get out into the world. And if they saw something about this, they didn't like, or wanted to restructure that's, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, you know, Amazon and Tencent trying to negotiate this stuff. I could see neither side really wanting to blink, uh, again, speculating on my part, but especially if Amazon thought it had a contract that it liked before and Tencent maybe seeing something in there they didn't like and they wanted to change up. It's unfortunate, I think, for fans of, of Lord of the Rings and the franchise and the folks working on the game. Um, they said that the team working on the game will be moved to other projects. So that, I guess, is a nice silver lining that folks weren't losing their jobs but um you'd think that people would probably be pretty excited to be working on a lord of the rings project and to have it taken away from them or you know have the rug pulled out from under you because of a a contract issue between uh godzilla and kong (laughs) you know in this space it's pretty it's pretty shocking i think it's pretty big it's pretty big i'm curious if we'll ever see leaks of what this game was and how far along it was it was just kind of announced in 2019 so there's a good chance you know there's not tons of stuff playable or or that you folks can see but i'd be very curious to see how far along this game is another example is um elder scrolls and it's mmo chugging along and getting better but again putting an ip does not guarantee success so but we'll never know amazon has canceled their lord of the rings mmo we're never going to get it. We are never going to get it. Those are the stories for me this week. Um, if there's something you think I missed, of course, you can always email us with your suggestions and you can post them on the Discord and in the subreddit as well. Um, but with that, I'm going to take another sip of water and we are going to move into a little section that we call the playlist. But first, I need to thank our sponsor this episode. And that is Squarespace. Ooh, you know how like Jeff yells it? What if I just did like a, okay, it's Squarespace. Everybody needs a website. Even for ASMR, I'm going to be doing this whole thing like this. (laughs) Just the opposite of the Squarespace. Squarespace, you have listened to this show before. Um, you've heard Jeff talk about how his website is built on Squarespace dot, uh, from squarespace.com. Department of Parenting, the po- parenting podcast I did for years with Chris Quintos was built on Squarespace. And you probably have a reason to have your own website as well. And you should go to Squarespace and make that website. That's where you do it. You showcase your work, blog, sell products, promote your physical or online business, announce an upcoming an event or special project. All of those things you can do with Squarespace, and they make it easy. Beautiful templates created by world-class designers, e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Uh, you can customize the look and feel with just a few clicks. It's optimized for mobile right out of the box, and you can buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions all right there on Squarespace, which also gives you analytics, built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. You're never patching or upgrading. 24-7 award-winning customer support. You have a reason to have a website. You have a reason to get your domain. Go to Squarespace to do it. Now's the time. 
So you can go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, you can use the offer code Jeff sent me, all one word, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and DLC. It uh, it means a lot. They've been there for us, and you should go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and set up your website or get your domain today. Okay, so uh, the playlist. It's not what we've been playing. It's just what I've been playing. And the first thing that I want to talk about is I had some folks after last week's show when I mentioned um, Apple Arcade and how I was digging that and I could recommend it as as a subscription service now. Again, maybe one that you'll cancel at some point, but one that I think is, is worth uh, playing around in right now. And this week's Apple Arcade... Gaming Spotlight! Uh, the one I want to shine a light on is um, Clap Hands Golf, which is Hot Shots. It's Mario Golf. And when I say it's Hot Shots, I mean Clap Hands made Hot Shots. <laughs> like, that is where I don't think they started. I think a different developer might have been the very, very first first developer along with it but everybody's golf also known as hot shots golf in north america they've been making them for years and now they have made uh clap hands golf on apple arcade and it is what you think it is and it's awesome it works great with the controller i've been playing it with my uh backbone and it's phenomenal great controls you can also play it just with a touch screen and kind of the little tweak of it here is you have a team of golfers that you take out with you among all the other things that that involve in you know battles boss battles tours course tournaments stuff like that but you're compiling your team of golfers that have strengths and weaknesses and as you collect your golfers you get to you know choose who you take out with you on certain courses and stuff like that and there's probably more to it but that's all i need it's just that fun hot shots mario golf game like i'm curious now i was very excited i still am but for mario golf coming to switch but i do wonder if my five dollar a month apple arcade subscription and clap hands does enough to scratch that itch for me um i could see mario golf on switch if i'm able to play with my kids uh you know my family a little bit more that might make that more fun if they get into it and we're sitting around the tv um but I could play this on my Apple TV. So, again, there are a lot of good games. I'll keep highlighting one or two a week as, as uh, we progress, and I keep dabbling with them. But this week, if you are if you have Apple Arcade, I highly recommend checking out Clap Hands Golf, H-A-N-Z, Golf, Clap Hands Golf. And if you're on the fence, you know, maybe get your free month going and check out some of the games. I'm still playing NBA 2K Arcade Edition still think it's a phenomenal game of basketball on your phone and uh clap hands golf really 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 good and um and worth checking out in my opinion the other game uh i've been spending 
a decent amount of time with is MLB The Show 21, and I am one of those folks. <laughs> I am playing on my Xbox Series S via Game Pass. And I have to imagine I'm not the only one playing on my Xbox via Game Pass. And I have to imagine that we all have that same reaction when the Sony Studios, you know, Marvel-esque, logo hit our screens via our our xboxes from our microsoft subscription service it was a surreal moment and i think i joked on last week's episode that it was you know it's mario and sonic at the olympics (laughs) and i stand by that i mean it it's weird it's weird Super weird. And to some extent, yeah, oh, Panzer Dragoon or Crazy Taxi on Xbox is also was also a weird moment. But those came after Sega was gone. You know? Like that was that was after the fact. So this feels weird. Sony's still crushing it. The PS5's like the fastest selling console of all time or whatever it is i mean they're they're still crushing it the previews for a returnal um are sound incredible which i'm sure we'll be talking about very soon on this show and just to have like one of their in my opinion big franchises with mlb the show not only on the competitor's product box physical box but via their larger ecosystem of of Game Pass, it's it's just wild. Every time I see it, it's wild. And I'm not I'm not even talking about the game yet. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just absolutely wild. Um it's on Game Pass. It feels weird to say MLB the show. Give it a try. It's on Game Pass. Um the game itself, the last one I played was 18 I think 18 is the last one I spent any serious amount of time with. Um, So I'm not going to be the person that's going to break down the differences and and detail between this year's and last year's or even this year's and and 18 other than now it's on Microsoft consoles and you can play it on Game Pass. Um, But what I really like about MLB this show, and I've always liked about it, and what I like about it this year jumping into it after a few years off, is it really walks you through how you want to set things up. There's a bunch of different ways that you can pitch, um, bat, field, advanced runners, all that stuff that, you know, if you're an old like me, you're like, oh, I know it's RBI. You hit A or B and then whatever. Um, It's not. This is a sim sports game, and it's not like uh, NHL was on the Genesis when Kevin Smith and I were of age playing those games, (laughs) you know? Like they've evolved, and if you've taken years off – Jumping into Madden now, also on Game Pass. Um, I didn't get that. Oh, could you try again? Siri did not understand what I said. <laughs> um, jumping into those games is is complex. It's it's complex, just like jumping into coaching a football game would be. Um, it's not an arcade game, you know. And I I, I really like the way MLB, the Show Twenty One starts you off with kind of running you through 
the choices that you can make in terms of your pitching style. And, and I mean, physically the controls, like how you want to do it and try it. And you can try it over and over and over and over and over again before you save your selection. And I really like that. I don't feel like the tutorials are too long. It doesn't force you to do the tutorials. You don't have to, you know, go onto the field and try each <clears throat> control method. You're able to just pick your method and go. So if you've been playing all the time, you know exactly what you want to do. That's, that's easy. That's there. That's there for you. And I appreciate that as well. But for folks that have been away or the millions of people who have had Xboxes and haven't had a Sony console, and this is the first time coming into the show, one, welcome. It's a fantastic franchise. Glad to have you. Two, spend time with it and see what you like. See what you like. Figure it out. I think it's really cool. It's really effective. And yeah, there's greater depth to it. And sure, you'll probably forget a button you know, at some point uh, down the line, but I, I really like that presentation and how they bring you into it. With all that said, I think I'm the weird one uh, with both the show and pretty much every sports game now. And I don't know if it's because I've just been, you know, I'm older and I've been playing them since before these features <clears throat> were widely available or not, but I have never been a road to the show mode player in any real substantial way and that is where you create your character and you run them through you know minors and then the majors and then you run this basically like entire sporting career of this hopefully just behemoth of a juggernaut player uh nba 2k has that mode madden uh had that mode as well um and that's never that's never been I think FIFA might have done that. Does it still do it? I don't know. Because it's not it's not my thing. It's not my thing. Even on the Apple Arcade version of 2K21, um, my career, whatever it's called, it, I'm not that player. And I know for millions of people that is the appeal. And I know that for MLB the show 21, that mode has kind of changed a little bit. It seems like, and this is mostly from me reading, and because and I don't, I just don't experience, I don't play a lot in that mode. It's not the draw for me, but it seems like they have um, made it harder to grind your character to the top just by playing the show. And it seems like they want you to play Diamond Dynasty, which is that pack opening microtransaction mode of building your super team with gotchas the developers have said that they're not trying to funnel players in there and you got to take someone at their word um i think the unfortunate part whether or not that is the intent it appears as if your character can level up faster there and in the modes like the show where you're building out your character what you're, you're min maxing right like you're trying to create this all-star incredible character and, and players are going to find the way that gets them there and so if spending time in that uh diamond dynasty dynasty diamond dynasty mode is is what progresses them but that's also where most of those in my opinion icky microtransactions live that's a real bummer it's a real bummer i'll leave it at that it's a real bummer I, I get that people spend and some people don't have a problem. Uh, we've talked about it on this show. Without somebody else to bounce it off, I'm not going to just go on a rant about the state of 
most microtransactions, maybe not most, but many, many microtransactions. And um, <clears throat> yeah. And so with that, I'm going to uh, take another sip of water because this is a, a long email, but I want to read it. I want to read it. And so this is about microtransactions. And this comes to us from John. It is an email, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. <clears throat> In regards to your conversation with Adam on Genshin Impact, Impact, especially with the monetization issue, I would highly recommend your listeners do not support this game, especially if they are completionists or have an addictive personality. I have played this game a lot at the end of last year. I was pretty obsessed with, with it, but had to walk away. No disrespect to Adam with any of this. I was in love with this game once too. But you, Jeff, and Christian's concerns about this game are spot on. It's a gorgeous game. In many ways, it's better than Breath of the Wild. The combat is really fun. The elemental system is great. All the characters feel very different. The dungeons and bosses are great. And the game actually gets hard enough later to be a significant challenge. Plus, it's got co-op. Taking on a dungeon boss with three other players is fantastic. It really is a terrific game. That has one of the most predatory and sickening monetization systems I've ever seen. Christian is right. They should feel bad. But they won't because they are making so much money. This game has all the free-to-play systems you hate in mobile games and worse. You can unlock some characters for free just through playing, but not a lot. Just like mobile games, you can level up characters, which takes more and more materials. Each character can also be improved by finding that character again in a loot box. And you have to do this over and over and over to fully level them. If you find a five-star character and want to get them fully leveled, you're going to be paying for a lot of loot boxes and probably not getting the characters you are wanting in the first place. The best stuff obviously has the lowest drop rates. There are also loot boxes for weapons and limited event loot boxes with characters that won't be available to get after this event is over. This is designed to separate people from their money as fast as possible so they can try to get the rare five-star character ten times so they can fully level them. And to counter Adam's point, the loot is not cosmetic. Different characters are clearly better in the game. Leveling gives you more and stronger abilities, better and fully leveled weapons gives you an advantage. To make matters worse, you need rarer and rarer materials to level up your character and your weapons. To get those materials, you need to farm certain missions that require a separate currency to even start. This currency is basically, quote, energy, and if you run out in a day, you will have to pay real money for more. So your progress is locked behind how much you're willing to spend. I don't mind monetization, but this game is disgusting. It's such a shame that such an otherwise great game is infected with this greed. I would happily buy a game like this outright or support them by directly buying characters or outfits. With the quality of the rest of the game, I'd probably do both. But putting a paywall of leveling progress, unlocking the best characters, and upgrading weapons behind gambling through loot boxes is not okay. I watch streamers spend thousands of dollars on loot boxes and get mostly garbage. Stay away. And I haven't played Genshin Impact, so I can't speak intelligently to its uh, loot and monetization, but I think broadly I agree with a lot of that email. And I think the hard part is, well, you know, these are adults, you could argue, uh, or, you know, you need to have an adult's permission to, to play and spend, and people are free to make their choices, and, and I, I, I get all that. 
I, I truly do. But on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of companies hire um, people whose job it is to figure out how the brain works and how to best manipulate it to create these addictions. And I think it's a problem. And I think that there is a lot of money to be made in this area right now, but I hope that that ends. I hope it goes away, and I hope developers move away from this style of game. Not because it's not the type of game I want to play, but because I think it is um, damaging. And not in the way of, you know, Doom and Marilyn Manson are gonna... Not that. I I think preying on um, the addictive personality and that kind of compulsion in people has ramifications outside of just separating them from their money in the game. And I think it sets people up um, for problems as well. I'm happy to be wrong. Um, I clearly have not done all of the research on this field. I've done a lot. Um, And I I have problems with that type of monetization. And again, I have not played Genshin Impact, but I didn't want to talk about that here as I talked about... um, you know, MLB the show. And again, a mode I haven't played with. I I haven't gone into the road, Diamond Dynasty. Like those aren't the things that appeal to me. I am an old school sports gamer where I'm doing is I am playing as my team, as their current roster. And right now on MLB the show, to go back to MLB the show, I'm doing the mode Road to October where you play through the season, but not the whole season. It's like, yo, you're coming at the sixth inning or you got to close out this game to get the win stuff like that. And I love that because I want to play as Kershaw. I want to play as the Dodgers, which is weird now because they're like really good. They've been good for a while, but like, you know, it kind of feels like I'm playing as the Bulls in (laughs) the 90s. Um, But that's how I like to play sports games. That's the fantasy wish fulfillment I have. I don't want to create like Bubba Tank Spicer, (laughs) you know, like this Hulk of a 10 foot tall lumberjack just cranking home runs off of everybody. That's not exciting to me. I realize it is to a lot of people. Um, that's just not what I'm there for. So for me, the game of baseball on MLB The Show um, is great. It, it's fantastic. It's probably the part of the game that changes the least year to year, though, in my opinion. It's just that kind of regular season. They add new control methods often, but most of the time I kind of stick with what I know just because I know it. Um so the newer changes to the modes, uh, I'm not going to be the one that's going to diagnose the differences. All of that said, MLB The Show, in my opinion, is year after year a phenomenal baseball game. And the fact that it's available to Xbox owners right now is a gift, in my opinion, and one worth checking out. Especially because if you are an Xbox owner, I highly recommend um, Game Pass, especially at this price point right now. And so if you're there, it's easy, easy, easy to recommend MLB The Show. And if you only have a PlayStation, I think that this is an excellent year for the show. I don't think it's a must-own. Oftentimes, it, you know, in a lot of sports games, this cross-generational um, release is never quite as fully featured or as, gra- as much of a graphical powerhouse as like the later next-gen-only versions will be. And that feels about the same to me for for 21 also. And it'll be the show 21. So if you play 20 or are happy with 19 and, you know, it's a $70 purchase for you, I could see waiting um, for the next iteration that fully utilizes. It's only available on PS5, you know, or Xbox Series, S and X or whatever. But 
it, it's a good game of baseball, and I, I like that it's available to to more people now, um, and it's worth checking out and playing. And while I'm talking about how uh, Microsoft has bought my soul <laughs> alongside Tencent, apparently, um, the other thing that I've been playing a lot of this past week is I got into the um, xCloud iOS beta, which is, uh, again, Game Pass, and it's cloud-based, think Stadia or Amazon Luna, um, playing, and it's now available. They're rolling it out in beta to select. It's not like anyone can get it right now, but they're rolling it out to more and more folks for iOS devices and Windows 10 computers where you're playing in browser. It was a surreal experience. Talking about seeing the Sony logo come up, uh, I was on a computer just trying it out, and I was playing MLB The Show as a tab. It was It's like, here's my email, my calendar, Twitter, MLB The Show 21. And I know I, I've, you know, I've raved about cloud gaming for a long time. You all get it. GeForce Now, I love it. I love it. I love it. Stadia, I love it, but it keeps hurting me. <laughs> Oh, and they close their internal game studios. That hurt me. But I, I like the tech, Luna. I like it. I like it. Um, and this xCloud on iOS, I bought a Pixel 2 used to have the cloud gaming experience on Game Pass before it came to iOS. Because originally, uh, GeForce Now, Stadia, and Xbox, none of them were available on iOS until very recently, all things considered, Xbox is the last one to come to it. So I bought an old Google Pixel 2 to use as my cloud streaming device, and I loved it then. So I, I've played it a lot already, and I had a great experience with it. But I was like a kid in a candy store when it came to iOS, mostly because that meant I wasn't needing to then carry around my Pixel 2 also. <laughs> like I am in that Apple ecosystem with my iPad and my iPhone, and as I've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, my backbone controller and having that available now for cloud gaming on Xbox is great. I've gone back to Streets of Rage 4. Um, the one weird thing, and I, I, I might have been doing this wrong because maybe I didn't get past the tutorial. So the cloud streaming is only Xbox One games. The series games aren't there. And so when I tried to fire up MLB The Show on my phone, it looked like it wasn't bringing my save over from the Xbox Series S version. And maybe I just needed to get past the tutorial stuff again, and then it would have loaded it up, but I didn't want to spend that time doing it because whatever. I was just like, oh, that's weird. I have to go through this tutorial stuff again. I thought I would jump back in. And I don't know if that's because I'm playing the main game on Series S and this is running an Xbox One version of it. Um I think there's cross-play, but maybe not cross-progression. I'm not sure. For other games like Streets of Rage, um, you know, that's the same save. It doesn't matter if I'm playing it on my Series S or or on my on my phone through the cloud. Um, but it's great. It's great, and I think it's super smart. And I also think it's super smart how Microsoft is positioning it. Right now it is in beta, clearly, clearly labeled in beta, and a limited beta at that. And it's for Game Pass Ultimate subscribers only. And so it is very much an add-on, an air quote free add-on to the highest price tier of Game Pass. Game Pass Ultimate is on console and PC and cloud. And so now also on cloud for iOS. And I think Phil Spencer went out and said, like, it is not going to replace the playing experience on your console. 
It's it's not. It's not going to be that same experience. But you can just try a game. You don't need to download it first. It's tap and play. It's all that stuff that Stadia was advertising back in the day, right? Like, oh, I want to try the show. I don't have hard, I don't have space on my console. Tap play. I, Streets of Rage Four. Christian's talking about that a lot. Maybe I should tap play. And then if you find yourself liking it, download it to your console. Download it to your PC. Keep playing it there. Get that big screen experience. But the idea that they're positioning it as a beta and as something that's supplementary to the other things that Game Pass offers with Xbox's approach to all of your saves living in the cloud and going from one to the other. I know I talked about how for the show that was that was an, an outlier for me, but it's such a smart extension of that ecosystem in my opinion. And it just feels great because it's additive. The fact that if I run into problems and it's like the lag or input blah 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 it's not the end of the world because i can go pick up from wherever my last save was back on my console and i know i'll have that seamless flawless experience this is something that is additive to it and it works great i've tried and i'm keep trying i'd love to talk to folks at each of the services and kind of see how they distinguish the tech i don't know if they'd give us the secret sauce but you know, none of them feel as precise as playing on a console, but it plays really great for me. I have fast internet. I'm at home. You know, I'm not out and about. I'd be curious to try it on LTE or or 5G and see how responsive it is there, but it's fantastic just to sit in bed and play and know that I'm not you know, need to fire up my console first because remote play on the PS5, that works great too. And I do that from time to time also. And that's great. But just to be able to tap and play and not have the hard drive space for it, um, it's phenomenal. And I think the way that they are positioning it, I do think that Xbox is hitting their stride now with, you know, whatever you're playing on, we're going to give you the best version of the game. You don't need to worry about download the patch to then have the correct version of your console to do this and get your save and make sure you update your It's just like click play and you're going to have <clears throat> that best version. So I'm super excited for more folks to get into the cloud gaming iOS beta. And if you've been on Android this whole time, you've been enjoying it. And and I, I hope that you agree that it's phenomenal. <clears throat> I'm, you know, my opinions might change if or when uh, Game Pass's subscription price goes up. But right now, the same price, getting more features added and being able to just slap my phone into my backbone and play <clears throat> down on the couch, uh, you know, away from the console or in bed is that's a win. It's a real, real win. I love it. I really love it. And the last game I'm going to talk about here, uh, here in the playlist, and then probably before I wrap it up and and pitch it over to uh, the bonus content where I talk to uh, Graham Park. So hopefully you stick around for that because it's a fantastic conversation is the, uh, you know, set your watch or you'll miss it. Resident Evil Village demo. The castle demo has now come and gone, and I guess will be available to everybody again on May 1st. Um, I love demos. I've talked about demos before. I talked about how I think the demo for Outriders did the game a lot of good. I loved the hands-on event that I got to go to that preview event. But I think the public demo really sold a lot of folks on the game. So I'm a big fan of demos. Um, 
this demo, Resident Evil Village Castle, you're back inside the castle. <laughs> kind of like the very first demo. And that interior space is gorgeous. It's just stunning. Absolutely stunning. The village demo when you're outside, it doesn't look bad. I talked about how I thought it was a beautiful game then also. But man, the amount of details in the world and inside this building, it's it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I think I forgot how great it looked going from outside to in. And also the color tones are very different. Outside of that first village demo, <clears throat> it's like a lot of grays and browns and this cloudy kind of overcast day. And when you're inside the castle up on the main floors, it's a lot of gold and shimmery, shiny marble. Really, really cool. Um, so it was really fun. I really enjoyed that. The part of the demo that has me a little concerned is toward the end of the demo, which I imagine is in the main game, so not a plot spoiler in any way, shape, or form. Um, But there's a moment toward the end of the demo where there's a pretty heavy combat encounter. And you might be able to just run. I'm not sure. I didn't. Um, But it was a lot of... I mean, a lot for Resident Evil, right? Not like a Diablo horde wave of a lot, or even Outriders. Sometimes Outriders floods you with enemies. <clears throat> but it was a lot, a lot of folks, right? Like a, a lot of demon-y, zombie things coming at you that just took me a very, very, very long time to down. And not in a fun way. Not like, oh, I got to get this headshot and then it will go down. It was like a... How, Come really shock shotgun really oh come on and because there's that ammo scarcity like it was nerve-wracking but in my opinion it wasn't nerve-wracking in a good way i kind of just found a i think it was a loop you're you're down in the basement again that that very first demo kind of starts you in <clears throat> the catacombs i guess and i was kind of just running and trying to separate myself from these things and then turning around and firing a clip and then running and reloading and turning around and firing a clip and trying to figure out where I'm going, but it's dark and claustrophobic. And maybe that's what they're going for. But to me, it didn't feel fun. I kept wondering like, oh, can I kill these? Maybe I'm not supposed to kill them. And then I'd try to run and try to find a thing. And um, I, I wasn't getting the response from the game to tell me if what I was doing was correct. And I've run into this before and probably talked about it years ago. Like, in the older Call of Duty games, it would always bother me where, like, you'd have the endless enemy closets, you know, the monster closets, where, like, if you don't push forward, enemies are going to keep spilling out of this door. Like, I I like to clear away, clear my way. And that would always bother me. And, and, and this was not that. I did kill them all. But I had thoughts of, like, oh, is this, you know, the storm in Fortnite? You know, is that what this is? Uh... Am I just supposed to run from it? And it wasn't clearly explained to to me, in my opinion. The visually stunning, and maybe it is just trying to make me feel anxious, but that combined with the, what's her name, tall lady vampire, apparently kind of being the stalker of this game, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if the combat experience is going to be one that I like, even if it's not the bulk of the game. So I'm still very interested in Resident Evil Village, um, when May 1st comes around, I encourage everybody to check out these demos. I, I want to play it on my Series S to see how it looks in comparison to my PlayStation 5. Um, <clears throat> but that that last combat intensive moment had me questioning um, 
the larger combat portions of the game. So that's the Resident Evil Village Castle demo. And that's going to do it. My throat is wrecked just from that little bit of spice at the beginning of the episode. Um, there is the bonus content where I talk to Graham Parks uh, about Before Your Eyes. So please listen to that. Go support that game. It's such a phenomenal um, experience. And uh, for me, uh, I do have a parting gift coming up for you. But first, um, Jeff, you know this, uh, but we love you and we are here for you. Um, and the community's here for you. And uh, can't wait to have you back on the show again, buddy. So uh, we're good. The show's fine. I can gab. I can talk. I thought this was a fun episode. Kind of surreal to be doing it by myself, to be honest. But so much so much stuff this week. So much stuff. Um, I'm excited to have you back on and, and talk to you about your thoughts with xCloud and, and stuff like that and get your get your take on that as well. And I think you've been playing It Takes Two. So I know folks will be excited to hear you talk about that. So Jeff, we love you. Um, and he knows that you all do as well. And, and he's seen everything that you've written. So, um, and everyone in our community, thank you for that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. I have a newsletter, um, Let's Chat Games, where I talk in a very informal and personal way, kind of like letters between friends about video games, that you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And typically, I stream this show on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, Sundays around 7.15, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. So you can look for that. You can go uh, follow the channel and sub and all that stuff there so you don't miss that. And uh, with that, uh, my parting gift, um, as the Oscars are happening, so I don't know if it won, but I know it was nominated for stuff, I finally got around to watching Promising Young Woman, and um, highly recommend. It is a dark comedy that I think tackles a difficult but important subject um, about sexual trauma and um, sexual assault in, 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 in the world, and um, the film... I think raises important questions and, and, and it tackles it in a bitterly dark comedy way, uh, kind of wrapped in a pop bubblegum veneer. Uh, I was really blown away. I finally got around to watching it and I highly recommend it. I don't know if it won any Academy Awards or not, but that doesn't matter. It's available to rent. Uh, so you can go check that out wherever you want to rent your movies. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really, I really, really, really enjoyed it. So coming up after this is that bonus content chat uh, with uh, Graham. So stick around for that. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this bonus content piece of DLC. I am joined by the writer and creative director on The Game Before Your Eyes, which you've heard us talk about on uh, multiple episodes now on the show. Um, coming from Goodbye World Games, I'm joined by the one and only Graham Parks. Graham, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, my God. Thank you for, for having me on. We we uh, we were so touched to hear you got your guys' responses to the game. So total honor to be here. Well, it is our absolute pleasure to have you. I, I want to start, I guess we'll start with uh, who are you? How did you get into game? You know, like those big, broad yeah, questions yeah, that yeah, everyone yeah. asks that are annoying to answer. So, 
so Will is the is the studio uh, director and the creator on the game, and Goodbye World Games is 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 his studio. And me and Will went to high school together, um, and so we grew up taking the bus to high school and just talking about video games. Um, both of us were just kind of completely obsessed all through our high school years. It was sort of like always the foundation of our relationship. Um, and I went, he went to USC to study game design and I went to NYU to study writing, playwriting was my major. And I ended up getting involved in some game design stuff there and had a minor from NYU from the game center. But, uh, Will was, you know, going full on, um, doing student projects. And I always was keeping abreast of what he was up to and super excited with all of his development and, uh, over there. And when it came to his senior year, um, for his thesis project, he had this idea, which was to realizing that webcams, that commercial webcams had could do eye detection and uh, had this kind of crazy idea to tell a story about, you know, well, I think he started thinking, how can we use that in an interesting way? And I think at that time, it was like, are you familiar with like a Blendo game stuff, like um, 30 Flights of Loving and Gravity's Bone? There were these, um, Brendan Chung was this like solo dev who was creating these like short, 30 minute games that had a lot of cool jump cuts in them. They told these kind of amazing, almost French new wave noir stories with like these jump cuts. And I think Will was playing those and being really inspired by those. And uh, then he was thinking about this webcam thing and he was really interested in the cut. And then he was like, well, what if we can go one step further? Cause, and actually put the cut into the hands of the, into the eyes of the player, you know, so to speak. So, so every time you blink, it, it cuts and, and, what if we do this to tell a story of a life flashing before your eyes? So I think he really had this kind of brain blast initial idea. And then early on in the project, he realized it was going to have to be very story heavy. And we had this relationship from high school. Um, and so he called me up and said, you know, would you want to collaborate on writing the story for this thing? Uh, and, you know, it was kind of like the greatest call, you know, as somebody who didn't like was super into games. Um, you know, I barely got through an intro to unity class and very, qu <laughs> very quickly realized that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be able to <laughs> do that side of it. Uh, it's just not the way my brain works. I don't have the, uh, that ability. So to get that call of like this opportunity to be involved on a ground level on a story game as someone who had, you know, was so obsessed with these things, it was sort of like, hell yeah, I'm going to jump on this and never let go. And, uh, um, you know, from there, we brought on um, our friend Ollie, who's another really old friend of ours who came on to do the music. And he's since evolved into like another game director and he's still the composer on the game. And uh, he's become an essential partner. But, you know, um, and it's it started from there. It's been a long road since there, but it was it, it started as this student project, basically. I mean, hearing you talk about it, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like. And I don't want to overstate something, but it's like two wonder can go to different coasts or one stays, you know, at a coast and then you, 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 you come back to, to reconnect on this. It's like, I, I know you're, this was it. You were both young when this kind of started, but this kind of already feels like a super group <laughs> forming. Like those are two prestigious programs and not yeah. to say that that's required to make something great, but. You yeah. know, there's clearly a passion and a focus from an early age, it seems like, with this entire studio um, to want to go out and, and, and make some some um, important projects. Well, that's it's very nice for you to say. I think, yeah, we're, we're stupid, stupidly ambitious, I think. You know, we we, <laughs> we all uh, grew up as the kind of pretentious 
you know, our kids who thought, oh man, video games are going to be the next great artistic medium. And like, just you wait and always feeling like, I think in high school, we were always very cocky being like, we could make games that are <laughs> so much better. And I, and I think then when we went to school, it kind of started happening. You know what I mean? Like in 2012 journey came out and that was for all of us, this big kind of, whoa, oh, I guess we're not going to be the ones to, obviously they're great. <laughs> Someone games. did it. <laughs> yeah. Obviously there are amazing games before journey and uh, incredible things, but there did, that did feel the start uh, that felt for us in terms of our involvement of like this start of this game that takes itself seriously. And is, you know, this two hour experience and is this like really cinematic thing. And then, you know, after that, as, as we got started on this, like th th I think that that genre just like blew up and you did have things like, as we talking about those Blendo games, games, mm -hmm. um, and gone home and onto, you know, and, and there was this kind of little renaissance of like these shorter, shorter games. So, um, yeah, you know, but we were always just like, so we've always been very excited by, by the medium, I think, and, and trying to do weird stuff with it. So that's kind of what's brought us all together. I'd love to, if you're comfortable, uh, I will issue, I will raise the spoiler warning flag. Uh, I kind of want to unshackle you from talking around the project, and I'd love to. I'd love to dive in. Hopefully, by now, um, folks have, have listened to this show for multiple weeks, have gone and, and played the game. And if not, I, I mean sincerely, dear listener, stop listening. Go experience this game. This conversation will be here for you. You can come back to it. You'll find it in the show notes. You know what episode it's on. Come find this later. Stop listening. We're gonna. Full spoilers are on the table because I, I want to take advantage of this opportunity and this conversation. Um, teasing a future part of the conversation, I do want to get back into development. And I know that this was yeah, a yeah. long process. People think of like, oh, this game just came out. Oh, wow. Would you make it in a weekend? No, that's not how <laughs> games are made. Definitely um, not. <laughs> but I, I want to dive in to this story. And as an old, I don't want to keep calling you young. I'm not, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Um, I, as this game connected for me as a father and as someone who has, um, been very fortunate in the, in the creative endeavors I talked about on an episode, how it, it kind of highlighted for me, creative failures personally. And I didn't elaborate it much on the show initially. Um, and maybe some folks know this, but Graham, for, for you and some background, my grandfather was a impressionist painter and I, I grew up with a lot of art um, in my family and people pursuing the arts. And I truly believe a big part of the arts is failing and getting back up. And even if you're, you know, JJ Abrams, Steven Spielberg, pick your, you know, whoever right. it is, um, Naughty Dog, uh, 343, whatever studio you want to pick, there's failure and there's heartbreak and you got to, you got to get back up. And so much of this game to me hit on those notes. And, and I'm curious, you know, what, brought that story out of you what uh, and i apologize i'm assuming you don't have children i apologize for making no, that assumption no no I, I none of us none of us on the team have children yet our, our lead designer bella um has his first child on the way which we're very excited about but but uh other than that we are a childless team uh, so yeah, I'd love to dive into the story because, yeah. again, it's not like you need to go to space to to write a space opera. Oh, oh no, of, of <laughs> you, you course. You need to wield a lightsaber in real life to write a Jedi yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah. I, I'd love to dive in and see like how it kind of came to be and and where yeah, that it was that feeling came from. Absolutely, I think that um, you know, we've been working on it, you know, over seven years. So 
and again, there's been so many iterations of it, of the story that I wrote for the student project. And then, you know, that got enough attention to take it to IndieCade and wrote another story for that. And there were, and then there were many stages where we were, you know, it was kind of concept and mechanic first and knowing it was a story game and then getting all these chances to kind of make these smaller versions of them and then learn from that and iterate and, um, uh, a keep evolving. And I think that like the story that we got to, you know, was the, was the product of just a lot. It was that hard grind of, of, of iteration and learning what we were really trying to say with it. I think from an early, you know, in early conversations, it became this thing of the, what's the core mechanic. So the core mechanic is that you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on, on, on things and that's so we always knew that this game was going to be on some way about regret and and then on the flip side of regret is sort of acceptance where you know do you if you blink too soon in a scene is it about me feeling oh i missed it or is it about coming to going well i had you know what i had was meaningful and like that tension felt like it was really um implicit in the mechanic and so that like those sort of themes um of regret and um acceptance always uh we always knew that this is what the story was going to be about and i think that it took to this kind of final final iteration when you know we got some outside investment we knew we were going to be able to do it with voice actors and we're going to mount a bigger this fuller production version that became before your eyes when it was something we could really do um you know i spent uh a good amount of my middle school years sick i had um some pretty intense respiratory problems due to like a, a deformation in my chest that was causing lots of issues. And um, so I spent a lot of time during those sort of like formative years when you're thinking a lot about who you're going to be in the future. I, I spent a lot of that time sick in bed and, and not sure what was wrong with me. It, it never got to, you know, the dark, you know, mortal places that, that this story uh, took it. And I think that Though I, you know, started, I think that as we kept going, we realized, you know, bringing in our personal lives. Um, I think early versions of the story, it was like trying to do Death of the Salesman, like trying to do stories that I think we we didn't fully understand. And it was only until we started to bring in those more more personal memories. And I think that, you know, we just kind of seized upon this idea of, of you know, talking about, are you going to be unhappy with what you don't have? You know, are you going to be mm-hmm. mad about what you miss versus celebrate what you have, you know, being kind of, again, the central thing that the, like kind of what the mechanic is about, you know, a story of a, of, of a young person passing away. It, it kind of really brings that tension into relief because we are so obsessed with, with kids and with, we're so obsessed with the future. Like I think as a culture and obsessed with this idea of achievement and progress, but there are these things that, you know, uh, just naturally in our in our life that take you off that track. And and we, I think we don't realize that, like, we have this culture that teaches you kind of don't be don't just accept the current moment, always push for more, always strive for more. But when you have to face things like death and these 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 harder issues, you kind of realize how important it is to accept and celebrate what you have. So it just felt like this story really naturally um kind of a kind of evolved out of the mechanic and what we wanted to say with it i hope i hope that yeah yeah that's super interesting i i'm curious as these characters you know took on a life of their own or as as they they formed in your head and then came to the page and ultimately the screen um yeah and i'm not looking for your a definitive answer this isn't the goodbye world games official right. definitive <laughs> box quote answer but just to you today maybe it changes tomorrow 
I'd love to get your take on if this game is hopeful and if the mother is happy now. Yeah. Man, that, that's a great question. It's a deep question. I have to do some soul searching. I think, <laughs> I think, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I hope that the game is, is seen as, as hopeful. Um, uh, I hope that, you know, I hope that it's a sort of an act of kindness to just sort of, you know, to, to the player at wh- wherever they're at to kind of just like remind them, you know, that, you know, I think that what the, what, what, Al does for Benny at the end there by telling this story to celebrate his life is like, I think such an important thing for us to do to each other and to ourselves and, and to like take a moment to, you know, celebrate where we're at, you know, and not just be focused on what we're trying to become or what the future holds. And so I think it's absolutely, yeah, I I hope that it's, I hope that, you know, and, and it's kind of the saddest thing in the world is happening, but at the same moment, the the entire story is structured around whether or not he's going to get into the city of the dead and whether or not he's going to be allowed in. So, you know, this horrible, sad thing is happening, you know, in one reality, but in another reality, you know, he's getting allowed into, into this version of, of peace and of the afterlife. Um, and so I hope that like those two, you know, those two emotions can kind of coexist and, and there can be a lot of hope along with the sadness. I mean, in terms of Elle's character and the mother character in terms of, is she going to be okay? You know, I, I don't know, you know, with something like that. And that was something of working with Sarah, the, um, cause I'm also a filmmaker and, uh, made, I'd, I'd worked with her on a short film, um, Sarah Burns who played Elle, um, who's just a, an amazing actress that we're so, so lucky to have her and a great collaborator. And she, she's a mother. And, you know, I think it was talking to her a lot about making sure that this was real and she felt safe in the environment and she felt like it was honest and like, in terms of, is she going to be okay? I, I do think maybe that is a question, you know, for a mother it would be a question for Sarah. Cause like, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know, but I, I hope, but you know, I, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, you know, there's those moments where she rediscovers her music in, in yeah. uh, the real version of, of, you know, this story. And I, I think you mentioned kind of acceptance and how a lot of, especially in, in Western culture and, in, in, in here in yeah. America, this looking to the future. And and I'm very fascinated by how that played out in this afterlife as well with all of these liar birds and, and this need, um, or maybe it's a compulsion for people to uh, present the Instagram version of their life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, versus exactly. the, the greatness we have. Yeah. And and I'd, I'd love to kind of get your take on that and where that inspiration came from. Yeah, I was very, I was actually very inspired by, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not religious and there there are issues with, but I was reading a C.S. Lewis book called, um, I think it's called The Great Divide. And it's this kind of like tour of heaven um, that it's quite an interesting book, actually. Um, um, I think because we were doing this afterlife story, I was, you know, poking around and reading a lot of different texts that, that, you know, we were reading the Egyptian book of the dead. We were kind of going all over the place because we, we didn't want to be, you know, pulled from a specific religion or anything like that. It was about, it always was meant to take place in Benny's mind in a lot of ways and be our kind of our own creation, but it was like sort of pulling from myths. But there's this moment where there's this grand parade where all these angels are praising this, this woman. And he turns to the the angel that he's taking this tour with. And he's like, Oh, she must've been this great person who did all these great things. And he explains like, no, she was basically a cat lady who like fed all the neighborhood cats. 
and and died like an obscurity but the and it kind of uh underlined this distinction between greatness in your world versus greatness in our world um where you guys think greatness is akin to to fame and and the the size of the effect that you have but greatness in our, our world is much more akin to goodness and i think that you know like that just struck me as such a as you say, like, especially now, and especially for myself, too, I'm not a person, I'm a person who is very obsessed with with career and progression, but it, it felt like such an important to me, you know, reading that, and having those conversations, it's an important thing to remind people of, I think, especially in this kind of social media world. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it hit home too as as a child, as you, you know, you learn more about it, and you, and, and you kind of realize in this story that it's almost a child's projection of what could have or should have been yes, um, yeah. packed in, in extra weight. You, you mentioned the cast and I, I want to talk about that because I think, you know, as, as a writer and, and you put things on page, but then seeing it um, come to screen or, or come in engine and yeah. then the actors delivering the performances, I'd love uh, for you to talk about that and kind of what that experience was like and how, they maybe brought something to the story you weren't expecting or how they were able to, to highlight those emotional moments that you were hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. We're super lucky with, with them. And like, you know, as coming from that film background and knowing a lot of great actors, it was something as soon as we kind of had the budget for it, I was like super excited to, because early iterations of the game had text and I always felt like it was such a missed opportunity for this game to have, have great VO. So as soon as we had it, I was, I was super excited and, I had worked with both, um, so Sarah Burns and Eric Edelstein are your are your mother and father, and they were the mother and father in this short I made called Where You Are, and we had worked together, and they're actually friends and, and have done stuff together and very fond of each other, so I very quickly, even before writing the script, knew I was going to try to take this to them, um, and so it was... You know, some people say they don't like writing for actors. I, I love it, because like, I, <laughs> I love working with actors. I love knowing kind of you know, once you can figure that out and figure out a rhythm, you know, it's it, it knowing who you're writing for just gives you so much confidence. So I sort of knew that they, you know, that I, this was going to be in their pocket. And, you know, as soon as we did the, the we would, it, it was also important to me early on that I wanted to do the VO sessions with them together because I didn't want to, you know, piece it together because there's so much chemistry and stuff. And also because these scenes have to go so long, you know, because it's sort of interesting because it was this, as a writer, I'm sure, uh, you know, there's always this thing of, by the way, there's a garbage truck behind me. I hope it's not picking that up. But uh, is, it, is it? No, you're good. You're good. You're good? Okay. It's pretty loud on my end, but I think it's good. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, as a writer, you're always thinking about, you know, what's the most concise version of a scene if you're in film or something. It's always like, get in at the last possible moment, get out, you know, at the earliest possible moment. They always teach, you know, the, the, the adage is to kind of bring it down as much as possible. But Hit the because, conflict, get out of there. <laughs> exactly. But because we don't know where the cut comes, it was kind of this incredible freedom to say, well, you do the concise version of the scene in the first few lines, which, but then we have to just write these long scenes of just these kind of characters living and talking. And it was a, kind of really a great thing as a writer to get that freedom to just do that, especially knowing that I had them. But even sometimes I wouldn't write the scene long enough and they would just, and I would just tell them, just keep having fun, keep doing it. Um, and they, because they have such great natural, uh, natural chemistry, they would just kind of keep going and keep ripping. Uh, and a lot of that stuff ended up in the game, like the, just their improvs. So it was very, it was a fun process that way. Are there any 
So I experienced it and have walked away from it. I maybe we'll revisit it, you know, a year from now, six months from now, but I'm very content with my experience. Um, I know that there are places that I didn't see everything. Is there, you know, choice moments that, you know, when you play it, you tape your eyes open to make sure that you see and go over like when yeah. you're creating the story, obviously it is everyone's experience and it has to get through and what they get through. But when you're writing it or scripting it or building it, are there moments that you personally hope folks see uh, that maybe they, they don't or is it kind yeah, of just left on the floor? Anything that you need to, to see, you will see, you know, and that was what, you know, Bella, our lead designer who came on sort of uh, midway through the project on this like next run, he kind of helped us see that we had, we were making versions of the game that worked at festivals and stuff where literally every blink jumped you forward. And so you can imagine that the amount of control that we had was far reduced, but we had creating this, it was, it was really not the way to go, but it worked in this kind of crazy slice of something where you just like had this kind of, it was an interesting experience on, and that people, it worked, but for a longer actual, you know, retail game, we, we, it was, it was so essential to come up with this thing of the metronome comes up midway through a scene and the next blink. So that allowed me as a writer to always, be able to go, okay, well, the important stuff can, not exactly the important stuff, but the essential stuff for understanding can go, you know, before this. And then after can be stuff that fills out the world and fills out the emotion, but you don't need. And so that was so useful. So, you know, I kind of, I don't know, I love that it is different every time. We've been watching streams a lot um, as a team, which has been super fun and uh, getting over, uh, just seeing all the different, just even there are the narrative choices that people can make differently, but even just how much they stay in certain scenes, like, you know, I kind of love that it is this sort of co-authored thing with the inadvertently that every player is going to have this slightly different experience. And uh, I don't know, for me, that's like sort of what's exciting about games. So like there are, you know, there are things where I'm like, Oh, you missed a good joke or you missed a line that I like or something, but I don't know. I, I find it very actually kind of exciting because, you know, missing something means that the person who gets it, it's special for them. So like, I think for me, it's, it's part of what's so kind of exciting about the medium. Yeah. And it makes it a very personal experience. I, yeah. I like that players can come away with their experience with the game. And that's not to say I don't love a heavily scripted, you know, hallway that everybody walks through and sees the same thing. But I think as you mentioned, there's something very unique about games and, and what you all are able to do um, with Before Your Eyes, where it, it, it makes it, 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 it works narratively. And I think you, you hit on that, how the mechanic and the narrative work really well together to create this, this cohesive experience, which is, which is truly special. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I think there's something where, yeah, the, the player gets to, to feel a certain ownership, you know, um, at the end of it, because everyone's playthrough is everyone's going to see different stuff. I think that that's a, that's a very nice thing. Yeah. Um, so I have one last question for you and then we can also go, if there's something I missed, we can, we can certainly get it. Um, you are writing any character that's ever existed in games. Who's your list? Who's your number one? Again, just today, just today it could change tomorrow. But like if right now, if someone gave you the keys to, you know, Wario, yeah. Nathan Drake, Sonic. <laughs> you have you have the whole gamut. What's the what's the character, or, or maybe broader the world you'd want to live in to uh, put your spin on it? Oh man, 
God, that's putting me on the spot right there. <laughs> cool spot, uh, the Sega Genesis game. I love one it. Thing, yeah, cool one spot. thing when you said Wario, one of the things we always uh, we always said when making this game as a kind of a design principle um, in terms of how the kind of mini games worked was like it's it's like emotional WarioWare, uh, <laughs> it's like emo WarioWare or poignant WarioWare, where it's like you know these little s- slices of gameplay with their own little uh, premises. So. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do like the the cry your eyes out WarioWare game that really goes into why Wario, you know, is the man he is today. Why is he so obsessed with money, you know, and, and kind of breaking him down psychologically. I mean, that would be pretty great, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I'm on board. Uh, that is the top. <laughs> I think the best answer we probably could have landed on. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like 120 deep. different game types and 15 different ways that you'll cry. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. We go deep in a series of mini games. We go deep into what what broke Wario from such a young age because <laughs> everyone was a child once, you know. Everyone was a child once. That is very true. We're going to deconstruct Wario. Well, I look forward to it. You know, let us know another. Seven know, if you years have an in at Nintendo or something, I will I will pitch that game. Well, they're more open with their IP than they've ever been. So I you don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From your lips to uh, whatever the afterlife world's ears, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll make this happen. <laughs> well, Graham, thanks for chatting. Is there anywhere for folks if they, you know, want to see more of what you're doing or maybe some of your film work or uh, yeah, things that yeah. Goodbye World Games are, are working on where they can find that online? Yeah. Goodbye World Games is on Twitter. I should be ready with all, I, I forgot, like I've never really been on a podcast, so I'm supposed to have all those Twitter handles ready and stuff, but we are on Twitter. Goodbye World Games. I'm sure if you just search it up, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet really at all, but um, Graham Parks, if you find me on Vimeo, um, I have my short films up there and uh, uh, yeah, go check them out if you're interested. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for, you know, in the team for putting your art into the world. Um, and everyone, hopefully if you listen to this, you already played it, but tell your friends before your eyes, it's available now on steam and, um, and it's, I can't recommend it's oh, PC. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's PC only and it is, but it is coming to Mac soon. So Ooh. keep your eyes out for that. If you're, if you, if you don't have a PC and you want to play it on Mac, don't blink right um, yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of puns you can do with this yeah <laughs> well thank you so much pick up the game tell your friends about it graham it was an absolute pleasure oh thank you so much for having me on this was awesome <laughs>